Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I am the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. Thank you so much for kicking off our new year with us today. Uh, Happy New Year again. I want to be one of those guys that consistently wishes Happy New Year throughout the year. Like, I want a Happy New Year people in March to the point where people ask their friends, did that guy just Happy New Year me again? And that's who I want to be in life. So I hope that you don't mind that because I might give you a Happy New Year on the way in every now and then. Thank you for showing up here at our 1030 service live. Thank you to those of you who are watching online. It was a powerful morning in our first service, and I expect nothing different here today during our 1030 service. We are kicking off a series, new talk, a conversation we're going to have, whatever you want to call it, called Level Up. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to take a look at some issues in our lives over the next four weeks that are going to allow us to level up as human beings. We're going to level up as Christ followers, as people who would say yes to following after Jesus. How does that look in our lives? And what does that look like as we put feet to pavement every single day and uh, raise our families and engage with uh, our spouses and, and go to work? And how does that look as we uh, say yes to following after Jesus as well. And we're going to talk about this idea of leveling up. So one of the first things I want to start with is John sent me an article a couple of weeks ago that we were going to kind of use for the basis of this series. And here it is. It's from Gallup. And, and here's what the headline re- read on December 21st of 2022. Americans reported mental health at new low more seek help. Now, this is from Gallup. We don't know if anything in the article is true because we didn't check the sources, but we're just going to take it as is. So that's how we do things here at DHC. And what the article says is that 31% of Americans, this is right now at the end of 2022, right? And we just believe this is true because you've been alive and breathing and you've seen this much like we've seen this. 31% of Americans describe their mental health as excellent. Now, I am no statistician, but that seems bad that only 31% of people in a post-COVID world, kind of which we're all living in now, at least that's what the headlines are calling it, would describe their mental health as excellent. Uh, Just under one-third of individuals living in this country. I bring up that post-COVID idea because the article also says that right before the pandemic, before that thing kind of unraveled society as we knew it, that Americans said that 45% of them would describe their mental health as excellent. Still not a great number, but it was a little bit better because we all knew what we went through during the pandemic. And then if you go back 20 years, that 51% of Americans, going back to the year 2004, only 51% of Americans describe their mental health as excellent. And I just believe at the end of the day that if we are going to level up in our life and if we are going to take this thing by the horn so we can be more effective leaders and spouses and parents and employees and all those things that we want to be in our lives, that we got to figure this out. We got to figure out how mental health relates to our faith and how Jesus can intervene and help us and how God leans into us. And I just believe we've landed on something here today at DHC. And I want to talk about that. Now, I also want to address something that is pretty clear about the scriptures, in my opinion, versus this idea of kind of a prosperity gospel in terms of what I'm going to present. So a lot of times Christians get confused about churches and what they preach and what they say. 
we are not preaching the prosperity gospel, that if you believe in Jesus and follow after him, that you're going to do better in life and be rich and all those things. We don't necessarily believe that, even though you certainly could if your circumstances line up with that. That's not for us to say. What we just believe that this is based on in kind of DHC for the next four weeks is the verse John 10, 10. And here's what it says. It says, kind of said, I have come so they may have life. I want them to have it in the fullest possible way. I'm just going to tell you something that I believe, and this isn't like a DHC statement. This is just something that I believe personally as a human being and as a Christian. I just believe that God wants us to have rich and fulfilled lives. In the scripture says, fullest possible way meaning that we are to live life to the fullest, that we are to engage with others, keeping Christ at the center of our, of our lives, and to be mentally healthy, to live in that full possible ways that we can enjoy our time on earth and make an impact for others and love as Jesus loves. So if that's true, then we got to get some things about our mental health right in the beginning. So I have a question for you. And this question might transform the way that you think about your life, and it might transform the way that you think about the thoughts that you have. might even transform the things that come out of your mouth as I get ready to set this up today. The question is a very important question. And here's the question. Have you ever been invited to a child's birthday party? So every time I'm invited to a child's birthday party, I have the same reaction because I'm at the phase of life where I get invited to children's birthday parties. And like, I'm an adult. And if you're like me, you're an adult. And you're like, why would I go to a kid's birthday party? But Libby's in this phase of life, our, our daughter, where she has friends. So we just get invited to kids' birthday parties. And I, in fact, invite others to my own kids' birthday party. And I always do the same thing when I'm the one who's sending the invitations, because normally it's my wife that does that. But if I'm inviting you to my kids' birthday party, I preface it with, I'm so sorry that I have to send this invitation. Feel free not to come. Uh, I know it's dry January, but if you want to drink, we will have the alcohol available for you to make it through this event. However, like, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that we, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. Well, I want to tell you, so my child's birthday, Libby, is January 1st. She's a New Year's baby, which is really interesting to have that happen on a holiday because both Caitlin and I have summer birthdays. So Libby's birthday is January 1st. About a month before last week when we had our party, when we were off here at DHC, I was working in my office and Caitlin, my wife, popped her head around the door and in a nonchalant way said to me, bamboozled me in a way and said, hey, uh, do you mind if I get a very small ball pit for Libby's third birthday party? To which I was in the middle of a task, did not really pay attention at all, but I heard the three words, small and ball and pit. And I said, Sure, no problem. So I was envisioning for the party that something along this size would show up to the birthday party. So this is Libby, that's my daughter. This is actually Charlotte, that's John and Jacqueline's daughter. And this was at their house one time. They had a very small ball pit. So I thought to myself, my wife probably got this idea from them at this party. This is gonna be great. It'll give the kids something to do. Let's fast forward to January 1st, Libby's birthday, day of the party. My wife says to me that morning, is it possible around noon you would go downstairs at our condo building and meet the people who are bringing the ball pit in? I said, I'd be happy to serve. As you know, Caitlin, I live to serve. It is my New Year's resolution. I'd be happy to go meet the ball pit people down uh, at our condo entrance. So I go down the service elevator and I look 
And almost the same look was on my face that my father had when I was a kid, when I told him I wanted to become a ventriloquist. Because I, said, I looked, and in front of me was a semi-truck and three individuals who were waiting there with their clipboards ready to bring the ball pit into our club room for Libby's birthday party. So I immediately call my wife and say, maybe a couple of expletives along the way, but we won't mention those here. Basically, what is going on? How, why is there a semi down here with three people ready to install this ball pit? To which, uh, this is what I expected and this is what I got at the birthday party. Now, you may look at this as some people said to me after first service, that that really didn't look that big. And I said, well, perhaps your New Year's resolution to be examined should be to examine your bifocals. However, they said to me, hey, where do you want the fence? Where do you want the mats? This took four trips up the service elevator to get up to this room, and I was hot. I got to tell you something. I was not starting out January 1st in a good way. I had a very bad attitude in this moment. I mean, I was like, it was, you, you ever get this way? When something happens that is unexpected in your life and all of a sudden you start going down all of the rabbit holes of what this is going to do to your next couple hours or couple of days or couple of weeks. I mean, I was complaining. It's a big important word here. I was complaining up a storm. In fact, I got these people into the club room to install the ball pit because at this point I'm in, right? I remember at that point I stepped out of the room and I called up to the ninth floor, which is where we live. And my wife picked up her cell phone and I said, I have a question for you and I just want to be clear about this. How much does this thing cost? I just want, have you ever asked this question before? How much is this? And I said to her, you know what? Don't answer. I just want to know, is there a comma or is there not a comma in this item? We did not, I, I, I can't even, I, we didn't go into it. She said, you don't want to know. I said, perfect. And then I started to say to myself, someone's going to injure themselves in this. I'm going to get sued. Like, and, and there's no way. I said, I'm never going to get my security deposit back for this room. There, the, what in the world? I said, what were you thinking? I, I, you said to me a small ball pit was arriving. I said, I have been bamboozled. I said, and, 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 and I started to sit back and think to myself, because this is all real. Everything I've just told you was real. I was fit to be tied about this ball pit. But then I started to step back and think, and I thought to myself, why do we complain? You ever thought about that? Why do we step back and complain about things? Because if, if you understand human beings, and if you know human beings like I know human beings, human beings complain about things all the time. All the time. Because I have to tell you something about this ball pit. It was a hit. It was the best thing of the whole party. I mean, 12 children were playing in it, throwing things everywhere, rolling around in their own snot and mucus, ended up with dysentery afterward, but that's here and there. And sure enough, it was this big, massive hit, and then the people came back and loaded it out, and it was great. And without the ball pit, I don't know what these children would have done, so I actually had to eat crow. I walked upstairs after the party and I said, I have to apologize because I saw what was happening. And you can understand why when a semi pulls up to the building and three people get out to install your child's birthday things. However, I just said I was out of line, I was wrong, and it was great. And I, I really think that's important for us to step back and go, why do we complain about a lot of things? Why do we step back and do this? Because if you're like me, 
you do this too. Even if you think that you're really not a complainer, you probably do. Human beings complain about things all the time, and I just believe that our outlook on life, which leads to a lot of these complaints that happen, is directly related to our mental health. I just believe that it is. Now, I want to tell you just a little bit about me, because I've gone through some mental health journeys in my life, probably about five years ago, when I said to myself, I really got to get a handle on my mental health. And since that point, I have been in a really healthy mental health state in my life. Right? But sometimes when you start to get complaining or things kind of get through the cracks, you got to say to yourself, oh, i got to look back. Is something else affecting me today? What's going on today? Is something lingering in my heart? Maybe if it's happening more often than not for you and you're one of those chronic complainers, maybe you got some unresolved things in your life that you really need to figure out and you've known for a long time that you need to figure out. And there's some trauma in your life that is unresolved in some way. And you're like, I need to get my hands around this. One of the most dangerous prayers you will ever pray is God help me solve this thing that's going on in my life. Under no circumstances will I give up. That's a very dangerous prayer. But maybe some of you are there and you need to do that. Because I just know that if we kind of consistently complain all the time in our lives, we are missing that idea of gratitude. You want to talk about leveling up and what that looks like? That we would have an, a spirit of, an attitude of, a life of gratitude every single day. That we would be thankful for the things that we have versus complaining about the things that we don't have or the things that didn't go our way. This is all over the scripture. If you opened up the scripture in any way, you would see this cover to cover. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10 says this, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always give thanks. Matthew 13, 16 says this, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. You can see and you can hear. What are you complaining about? There are many people who can't. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. If all of this is true, if all of this is so true, and we have all these things, especially those of us who would consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, why, why do we still complain? For some of you in this room, this has become a chronic problem. Let me be real. Some of you are losing people in your life because you are so negative. Some of you are losing close friends and they don't want to invite you to things or be around you because all you do is complain. If you just got nudged, that's a problem in this room. I just want to bring that up. A couple of people were talking about it in the foyer after first service, and I said, we are not doing marriage counseling here today. Next week might be a different story. Let's take this elsewhere. Just kidding. However, it's so true that some of us are losing things in our lives because we just have such a negative energy and a negative attitude. We're not living life to the fullest, and it's directly related to our mental health. So today, I'm going to issue you a challenge. Today, I am going to issue you the complaining challenge. Now, this went over so well in our first service that people were talking about like, 
getting tattoos on their wrist with this on it. I think that's a tad extreme, but I appreciate the support. We were talking about getting like little bands, like to remember to do this. We were talking about getting t-shirts, and I said, well, we could give everybody t-shirts, but they'll be uncomfortable and not the right size, so people will complain. So I just want you to know that like what we should, here's what I want, the complaining challenge. You ready? So I want everybody in the room to take me up on this. Do not miss this. This is so key. Make it your goal to not complain for one week, okay? If you can't, if that goal's too big for you, let's start with a day. Some of you can't make it an hour. However, let's just try to figure out how to go, okay, I'm gonna step back and I'm not gonna complain for one whole week or maybe one whole day I'm gonna start with. And if I can't get there, maybe I can start with, with a small period of time because the complaining, the negativity leads to negative outlooks on life and you're not living life to the fullest. You're certainly not following after Christ and you're not being utilized for him because you're stuck in this negative cycle of complaining every single day. Make it a goal to not complain for one week to your spouse. Don't miss this. Don't just say, oh, you're my spouse so I can complain to you. You're my spouse so you're the closest person to me in my life. I'm going to complain to you. I know I'm not supposed to do this for a week, but I'm going to complain to you as well. This over the course of time will begin to corrode your marriage relationship. Why do you want to be married to someone who complains all the time? You don't. It's brutal. So make it your goal to also not complain to your spouse. Hold on. To your employer? Listen, stay with me. I know you are talented and I know you were wronged and you have been overlooked and I understand that you have better ideas than the leaders of your company and I understand that you should have a different position and should probably sit on the board of directors. I get it, right? but knock it off. Like you're, you are where you are, just stop complaining. You're, you're dragging people down. Don't complain to your employer. Here's another one, right? I love this one. Your church, people don't complain here. We've never heard that. It's, it, it, and part of it is church, right? I've been in church ministry for 22 years. I never thought when I got into church ministry that I would deal with some of the things that I have dealt with in local church ministry. Here's the deal. A lot of times in life, what happens is, is we walk into organizations and we say to ourselves, I don't like this, or I don't like that, or I would do something different. So you know what? I'm going to complain, just like John was joking about based on the content of the message, based on the QR code. And what happens is over the course of time with those complaints is they just start to erode things. They erode your heart. You look at the organization differently. They erode our hearts as leaders. It's just hard all around. So just try to step back and complain. I can tell you very few things about DHC, but here's two things that I'm going to tell you really clearly. Number one, we're a Bible-believing, theologically, biblically-based church, and we spend money at this church more frugal than any church I've ever been in on planet Earth. And so if we're Bible-based and we mind our spending, I think you're in a good organization. That's just my opinion. And I just believe that from the core of who I am. But so, so whatever that is, look, like, take the complaining challenge. Stop right where you're at. What if this started to put you on a new direction in your life where you understood that this negativity was going to drag you down and others around you and that you need to accept that challenge? Going, man, I really needed to hear this one today. But 
as we start to begin to look at kind of the tail end of this message and the really meat of the scripture of this message, I want to talk about a guy named Paul. If you have not been to church for a period of time, you may not be familiar with this guy, or maybe it's been a long time, or maybe you've never been to church and you're here. Some of you, of course, are going to be familiar with Paul, but I want to talk to you about him really quick as I can finish this story. Uh, Paul may be probably the most famous Christian to ever live, just so you're aware. Um, Paul was, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version of his story, but Paul was a Pharisee basically a teacher of the ancient Jewish religion, a teacher of the law. And Paul, because he was a Pharisee, actually hated Christians. He persecuted Christians. He wanted to kill Christians because he did not want people following after Jesus and starting this new way of being. He was a teacher of the old historical law. Well, one day, Paul was walking along a road, a road called the road to Damascus. And Paul had a spiritual encounter with Jesus along that road. And Paul stopped and became a Christian and a follower of Jesus on that road. His life transformed instantly. And Paul became one of the most famous Christians to ever live. In fact, he wrote over half of the New Testament in the Bible. And this story is a story about how Paul dealt with a circumstance how he could have gotten negative. He easily could have complained. He could have allowed it to affect his mental health. And he could have got into that vicious cycle again of mental health, negativity, anxiety, depression, mental health, negativity. All, and we know what that's like in our culture today. But Paul was so healthy and so strong and such a follower of Jesus. Watch what happened. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 16. If you do not, that's totally okay. Some people look, like to follow along on their phone. You can do that as well. Uh, if you don't have that either, no problem at DHC. The scripture is always on our screen so people can follow along. I just want to give you a heads up. There's a lot of scripture in the next 10 to 12 minutes. Cancel your brunch plans. Let's dive in. Okay, here we go. Once... When we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And I just want to kind of talk about this for just a second. So obviously we know there are, we live in a cultural time currently in an issue where these issues are brought up to the service and talked about. Obviously DHC uh, doesn't kind of authorize or say, hey, this was appropriate in the historical times that we live in, uh, that they lived in, but what we do is we just present the history as it was. So I just give that disclaimer as we go through this because we do get some questions about that from time to time. Let me read it again. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Goes on. Said she earned a great deal of money for her owners by doing what? Fortune telling. Interesting. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Basically, she was kind of calling Paul out for preaching the gospel of Jesus. That's what she was doing. She kept up this for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. So Paul basically cast an evil spirit out of this woman who was a fortune teller back in the day. When her owners realized that their hope of making money, interestingly enough, it always comes down to money, doesn't it? 
When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. After, uh, nope, the next one. The crowd joined the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Rough day. It's a rough day. Paul and Silas. Let me summarize in case that was a lot for you. They were uh, kind of preaching the gospel, uh, performing ministry. A woman came to them. She was a fortune teller. They cast the fortune telling spirit out of her. Her owners were very mad because she made money while doing that. So they beat Paul and Silas and put him in jail. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. Let's talk about when they were actually in jail. What happened? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Now they're in a jail cell, mind you, during this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. How many of you would be praising God if you were in the Broward County Jail? I'm being very serious. Having been sent there because you were proclaiming the word of God. Probably not many. I don't know that I would be. Because that represents a moment of your lowest low. It represents a moment when you're kind of at the end of your pitiful rope. And you think about what that is, that you've been placed into a cell. You can no longer function in society, at least for a period of time. And Paul and Silas, at their lowest low, singing hymns and praising to God, complaining they did not. How many of us have actually followed God and gotten an unfavorable outcome? Meaning it doesn't always go the way that we think that it's going to go. And all of a sudden we step back and we go, I'm just going to get negative about it. I'm going to let it control me. I'm going to complain. I'm going to moan and walk around with this sour attitude constantly. But it didn't stop there when Paul and Silas were just in jail. Something else happened. I think it's so interesting. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 31. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. If you were in jail and the doors flew open, what would you do? I know what most of you would do because I've hung out with many of you before. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, 
and you will be saved. You and your household. Hold on a second. You mean to tell me Paul and Silas complain and get negative and look for an out when something happens? That this jailer may have actually killed himself and not had a chance at a relationship with the Lord Jesus, who we believe is the risen Messiah? Is that what you're telling me? It's exactly what I'm telling you. Because the scripture tells us that the jailer alongside his entire family were saved and baptized that very night. Paul and Silas. Paul, one of the most famous Christians to ever live. Paul and Silas. Look at their attitude. Look at how they reacted to a negative situation. Did they deserve what they got? No. Do you deserve everything that happens to you? Probably not. But where is our complaining? Where's our negativity? Where's our attitude at? Because I've seen myself and a lot of people in this and a lot of people in this room and a lot of people in 2022 heading into 2023 complain about a lot less than being in jail. We live in the most wealthy and powerful country on planet earth. Have you ever been to a foreign country that is stricken with poverty and seen what people actually deal with versus the things that we complain about day in and day out? I have, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. That's how blessed that we are. That's how we need to look at life every single day because the negativity and the mental health dysfunction which leads to our neg negativity is ruining you. It's ruining your surroundings. It's ruining our culture because we have so much and we're blessed every single day. And what a cool moment for us to step back and realize that this morning. You want to level up? You want to fix your attitude in life? I'll tell you, I get complaints from people a lot, all the time. I'm in charge of an organization in my professional life where I get to deal with complaints a lot. Simply do, it's part of the job. I get it. I've dealt with complaints a lot at church. I've been in ministry for 22 years, part of the job. I get it. But do you want to know what I oftentimes say to myself when somebody really complains, when someone really comes after you, I oftentimes step back and I say this, something must be going on in their life. They, they couldn't have come after me for that. Well, something's going on in their mental health situation or their heart that needs to be rectified that can actually help Break that cycle. Maybe you're here today and it's finally time for you to get this right. And you say, you know what? I step back and I'm just really negative. I'm really, really negative and it's weighing down my spouse. It's weighing down my kids. It's weighing down my friends. It's weighing down my coworkers. I got to fix this or else I might not have a lot in the future because people are just tired of being around me. Hurting people hurt people. It's one of my favorite expressions about human beings because it's true. 
And what we have to do is we have to fix the hurt. We got to fix this idea that if we don't want to hurt other people, we got to fix our own hurt, whatever that is. Now, granted, I'm not saying that everybody every once in a while doesn't have a ball pit moment, right? You're going to leave here and you're going to, you're going to remember this. You're going to go, man, I could have a ball pit moment at some point. I really could. I had a ball pit moment, but I stepped back and I said, this is really dumb because this was so cool for my kid and 12 other kids who were there. And my wife worked hard to do this. I don't care what it costs, how many people they bring in. I'm just thankful no one was injured and everybody had a good time. That's the way you got to look at life. The key thing is you don't want to have ball pit moments consistently. And nobody wants to be around you. Then you end up alone. Then you end up with people going, you want to be around this person? They complain all the time. I don't, I, don't, I don't really, do we have to invite them to the party? You've had that conversation with people that you know. If you're sitting here and you're reflecting on yourself, maybe somebody had it about you. That's why we got to step this up and fix this. Because it's important for us, especially those of us who've chosen to follow after Jesus, to live life with gratitude, thankful for what we have every single moment of every single day, thankful for the people in our lives, thankful for the things in our lives, thankful for the organizations in our lives that help us become better. Gratitude, thankfulness, day in, day out. That is leveling up. So what's the practical? Every week at DHC, we put this word on the screen. And we say to ourselves, hey, what's the practical? How can we step back and hear a message on a Sunday and put into practice exactly what we've heard on a Monday? The first thing I want you to do is this, right? First thing I want you to do is this. Everybody in the room, I think, listen, I'm not asking for a faith decision today. I'm not asking, even though I think you should cross the line of faith if you've never done it, following after Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. And we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But I want to just challenge you today to accept this. Accept the complaining challenge, right? Let's start there. Knock it off. People don't want to be around you if you do this all the time. It's not a great way to live. John 10.10. God wants us to live our lives to the fullest. With this, we ain't living life anywhere close to the fullest. Accept the complaining challenge. And allow someone to hold you accountable to it as well. To stop you when it happens. To go, hey, you're complaining. You said not. You said you weren't going to do that. You're complaining and you catch yourself. Watch how much you do it. Watch the negative energy fill into your life when you do it. Brutal. Who wants to live that way? Second thing is this, is work on your mental struggles. Some of you need to Get this right for the first time. Because the ball pit scenario is something funny and silly. Some of your situations that you're dealing with are not funny and silly. And they're real. And you have trauma that you have never dealt with. And you need to deal with it. And we're here for you. And God is here for you. We have committed at DHC to lock arms with each other and to lift each other up and to never let each other go in a way like I've never seen a church do in my history of being in ministry. It's a special place, but you gotta take the first step. Maybe it's time for you to get this right. 
and you know there's something burning in your heart that you've dealt with for years that you haven't resolved, and it is leading you to be negative and a complainer and to have a sour look on life every single day. I just don't believe God wants you to live that way. I just don't. I believe Jesus exists for healing and restoration and redemption and all things so that when you're in a jail cell, like Paul, that you can actually still praise God. That's how important that is. That's why that story exists, for us to see what real faith and true faith is like. Embrace your situation. It's not that bad. Your situation is not that bad. I've seen bad situations. I know what they are. If you get into one, we're there to lift each other up. But the things that you're dealing with every single day, not that bad. And if we live life like that, focused on gratitude, focused on what we're thankful for, everything can be different. In our hearts, the way that we live every single day, level up by cutting the complaining out of your life, level up by stopping the complaints. They're so brutal. I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of it on social media. I'm tired of it in conversations. I'm tired of it via text message. I'm tired of it via email. It's brutal to live this way. I firmly believe one of the reasons that we live in a post-Christian world on planet earth, that's what they call it in those articles, is because we just don't live day in and day out thankful for what we have with a spirit of gratitude. You want to level up? You want to look at the world differently? You want to see the world differently? You want to put one foot in front of the other differently? Have a spirit of gratitude every single day. That's the way to do it. That's how we see things differently. It's one of those things that when we do this, everything about the way that we live changes and is completely different. Let's get it right. Let's level up together. Let's start DHC. Let's start 2023 at DHC by doing this together. Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful for who you are and what you do in our lives. And God, Help each one of us in this room today, and I know it's silly, but it's really not, to accept the complaining challenge and just to say, okay, I got to stop. Because God, I I don't believe you want us to live this way, and I don't believe that we can change the world for you when we do this way. When we do it this way, we got to do it differently. So Lord, help us. Surround us with your grace as we seek after you and we do this together. God, help each person in this room cry out to you with this in their heart. God, allow me to be thankful daily. Allow me to be so thankful and have a spirit of gratitude for what you do give us and have provided us every single day. Focusing on the things that I have and the people that are in my life, not what I don't have. And God, I'll be so quick to give you the glory. We love you. God, I pray for DHC in 2023. I pray that you would give our church a fresh energy of your spirit that we may help others in our city come to know Jesus. He's changed so many of our lives in this room. May he change more this year. We love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.